0: Thank you for tuning in to the latest message from Island Church, Dundalk. But thank
1: you, Pastor John. That was that was absolutely amazing. Uh, I'm always blessed to hear you. I'm, I'm telling you, this man, he always wants to talk about you know how what we did with them and for them. But, uh, but I tell you, I tell you, it was it was such an honor. It was a blessing to be able to serve and, and get fine finer tuned learn about this nation, and do it from some amazing people. Because just like Pastor Jason said, that this man has a heart of gold. He has a heart for this nation. His heart's huge. His heart's clean. Hmm? It's pure. He has a healthy heart. Amen. Now, how many of you in here desire to have a healthy heart as well? Amen. Because, see, this is what it's about. Now, when I say having a healthy heart, I'm not, I'm not talking about this, this muscle that's on the inside of your body that's pumping, pumping, pumping blood all throughout your body. When I'm talking about a heart, I'm talking about our soul and our spirit, man. Amen. Our mind, our will, and our emotions and our spirit coming together. We need to have a healthy heart. Because, see, if we can have a healthy heart, church, you know what this will do? This will, this will actually change where you can actually have a healthy physical heart. You know, our healthy heart on the inside, a healthy, you know, hidden man of the heart, amen, can change your physical bodies. If we'll just yield on to it. You know, if we'll just yield over to it. You know, I'm coming on the backside of a backside of a a friend of mine. Now, we're in ministry together. They just committed suicide last week. I'm telling you, it actually came as an absolute shock to I me. Mean, it really it rocked me because I knew this man well. He worked for me. We ministered together. He was, he was a great man. I know as I'm looking here, I see all you, the Irish faces out here. I know, I know every single one of you know someone, friend, family, next door neighbor. Every single one of you I know a person that's committed suicide. I'm telling you that's absolutely disturbing. See we we don't have that in the states. It's not like that. I didn't I didn't get to I didn't come to the understanding of what you people are dealing with until we came over. here. I'm telling you there's a spirit of death on this nation. A spirit of suicide on this nation. I'm telling you, church, we need to begin to come and stand against those things. Satan's doing everything he can do to get the Irish people to stop. So you can't find your calling, you can't find your destiny. You say, well, I don't even know what that is. It is to release the kingdom of God back into Europe. It already happened. Uh, it happened during the dark ages. It was hidden over here to wake up Europe. And I'm telling you, church, that's our call here right now. You say, what are we doing over here? We're here to train you up so you can go out and release the gospel to the people. Hmm? I'm telling you, Europe needs you. It needs you. This nation needs you. We've got to change some things on the inside. We've got to change the things we're, we're receiving. I mean, so we can begin to do the things that the Lord has for us to do, amen? Now, I don't know about you, but this man, this this friend of mine, yeah, he wasn't a drug addict. He wasn't chronically depressed.
0: Hmm?
1: This man, he loved the Lord. He was on fire for the things of God. Happily married, a beautiful wife, they got married. They were sitting on my Harley outside of the church. Absolutely beautiful. Hmm? Absolutely beautiful. But see how many of you know that that just because you got into ministry, <laughs> that doesn't mean you don't have any struggles anymore. Many times that exacerbates them. So we gotta we got to mind our heart. Yes. we got to mind the things that are going on the inside of you. You know, I, I've I probably told this story to, to many of you guys in here, but but you know I was sitting there at at our office it was in a it was in one of our truck yards our truck plant right outside of Somerville Texas and I was I was making my 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 rounds like I normally do and I, I came in there I was sitting on the, the sitting on my desk and I'd go sit on the couch and I was talking with the men talking with the drivers looking with the dispatchers doing doing everything that that you know that a, a overseer does and I was sitting there talking with this minister, this guy. He was sitting there, he was sitting there chatting with me. And, and one of my men came in. He just got done unloading a truck and, and he he stepped in and he and he sat down on the couch and he looked, he looked absolutely white. And I looked over and I said, Steve, are you are you all right, son? And he just looked and he had like a glazed look and he looked back up to me and he said, he said, Oh, he goes, Ron, I think I'm having a heart. And while he said, I the heart, he just he just you know started shaking. And I looked over there at that minister. We just stood up. We walked right over to him. We laid our hands on him. Amen. We commanded that heart attack to cease and desist in the name of Jesus. We told death to leave that body and life to come back. And you know what happened? Life came back in that body. You know, his color came back into his body. Hmm. It so changed this man's life. <laughs> he. He told me after he laid hands on me, he, he, he was sitting there looking at me. He was like, what just happened, you know? said, so this is the kingdom. This is that stuff y'all, y'all make fun of me about now. You know, th- this is what it's all about. Hmm? Instantly gave his life to the Lord. Married, to, or he wasn't married. He was living with a, a chick for a couple years there. <laughs> he went back home and said, listen, we, we're changing our lives right now. We need to get married. Why? Because we're dishonoring God. I mean, completely changed life. Now, the, the man that laid the hands on that guy with me, you know who it was? It was that man that just committed suicide. It was the man that just did that. I'm telling, I'm telling, you, I'm telling you, church, this stuff is for real. It's for real. Now, I was sitting there looking at you, many of you. I know you have these questions because you have you know, family members. You have all these. You say, well, was that man in heaven? Do you think, Do you think he made it into heaven because of this? I'm going to tell you something, church. Absolutely, he did. You say, why is that? Because listen, God doesn't disqualify the people that are physically sick, even though he has already purchased our healing for us. He doesn't disqualify them and say, no, yeah, no you're, not, you're not permitted into heaven, Now, I mean, he, didn't do the, he does the same thing when it comes if you have a mental sickness. He doesn't disqualify. You see, our, our problem is we're always thinking God's looking up there trying to disqualify us. He's not trying to disqualify us. No, he did everything he could to receive you. Oh, come on, church. He did everything he could do to receive you, to receive the people of this world. We disqualify ourselves. We do. We do. We allow something to come in, taint our heart, rebellion gets released on the inside of us, and we begin to walk away from him. He don't walk away from us. But we begin to walk away from him. Church, we've got to guard our hearts. We've got to begin to guard our hearts. People say, man, I just... You think really a minister would do something like that? <laughs> I tell you, you would be surprised. You'd be surprised what ministers would yield themselves over to, what they submit themselves to when they sit at the table and they consume and they digest more at the culture of the world than they do of the culture of the kingdom. Amen. You'll be surprised. I mean, I've, since I've been in ministry since 2009, yeah, I'm surprised of what people can teach in the Word of God in their lifestyles. Hmm. It's absolutely insane. How I many of all know that what we put in, what we digest, creates a belief pattern on the inside of us, and that belief pattern, it produces an expression of faith, hmm. whether good or bad. It produces an expression of faith, like how we like to say it around here is, you know, whatsoever things that we believe is what we confess. And what we confess, it manifests in your life. Not 75% of the time, not 85% of the time, not 95%, 100% of the time, the things that you believe, church, and what you confess, it will manifest in your life. People all the time, I just don't like the way my life's going, man, my life's terrible. change what you believe. You change what you believe, you'll change what you begin to speak. And you'll start seeing things change around you. But we, we got to make the choice. We got to initiate these changes in our life, amen? Because listen, church, the things that we're receiving, it has the ability to produce <laughs> and a huge harvest in our lives. A huge harvest in our lives. Let's, let's, turn, here to, let's turn here to Mark. Let's go to Mark. Let's go to Mark chapter 7. You want to hear a little bit of the word today? Amen. Amen. I know Pastor John, he'll flip all throughout the Bible, give you about 80 different verses. I'm going to kind of plant here in a couple sets of scriptures. I'm going to start here. We're going to go through a few of them here in, in Mark chapter 7. But Mark chapter 7, we'll start here in verse 1. It says, Then came together unto him, talking about Jesus, the Pharisees, and certain of the scribes which came unto Jerusalem. And when they saw some of the disciples eat bread with defiled, that is to say, with unwashed hands, he goes, they found fault. They found fault. So Jesus, the boys, him and his crew are walking around there. They're picking up things, eating them. And because they didn't wash their hands, all the religious leaders begin to find fault in them. Because they didn't have clean hands. Now, now I don't know about you, but but now having eaten things with unclean hands. Yeah, you know, listen, I, we listen. We probably all do it all the time. You know, sometimes it can be a bit disgusting. Sometimes not. You know, brother Melvin, where is he at? Yeah, see, Brother Melvin, I'm not I'm saying he does this, but well. <laughs> well I won't narc on you in front of everyone anyhow. But he's the one that he he is the one that was the head guy over building this church here, and him and his son built our church up in Derry, and they did an amazing job and and when we're up there in Derry building that church, his son, his son, you know, there, there are some pipes that got, uh, that got clogged up in the, in, in the building, old building, you know, things are going awry, pipes got popped, we need to get them cleaned out before all the people start coming to the church. Well, well, well his son Luke, he, call, he called a man out there to clean up the pipes, you know, and they throw these hoses through these pipes, suck up all the nasty stuff, you know, it's a pretty disgusting job. And Luke, Luke walked out there, and this guy, this young man, you know, with his, all his chest all bowed out, you know, he's having, he's, you know has his hands filthy and he, he's doing it with his bare hands. And Luke said, hey man, would you like a pair of gloves? You know, he's like, man, I do this stuff all the time. I do this stuff all the time. He's like, okay, from the stench, I think I'm gonna go back inside and begin to work. Yeah, so he went inside and, and worked for a little bit and, and if that's not bad enough, when lunchtime came. Lunchtime game, this man with these filthy hands is walking through the building, looking at all the work done, eating a sandwich. (laughs) Eating a sandwich. Disgusting, church. Amen. But see, how many you know, as disgusting as that is, well, that guy did, he wasn't blaspheming God. Hmm? Now, he may suffer the consequences of his... Habits of being unclean, you know, he may, he may suffer those consequences, but what he did didn't separate him and push him away from God. God was like, nah, you stink too bad, you have nasty hands, I'm not coming near you. That's not, that's not what God was doing, right? Absolutely not. But see, isn't this is the MO of religion here? Religion is always looking for something that it can exalt itself and pull people down. I See, religion, it wants power, it wants authority, so it's looking at anything it can do to criticize this, that, and the other so it can exalt itself by pulling you down. See, it really doesn't go up higher. All it does is pull you down, right? It pulls you down to its level. And see, this is all that the religious leaders were here. Why? Because they had something tainted on the inside of their heart. So what they do? They they looked at these men, right? These men of God with the Messiah sitting there walking with them. They said, you know what, we're not, we don't want to come up to your level. We don't learn from you. No, we want to pull you down till you come and you start following the things that we're doing. I'm gonna tell you something, church. You look around at people, you look at them long enough. I'm gonna tell you, you study them intently enough, you will find a fault in them. I'll tell you a secret. You look long enough at me and examine me, you're going to find a fault in me. I'm telling you, probably more than one, Graham. Probably more than one. I'll even you, It's my pastor out right here. I honor this man. But I'm going to tell you, he has faults in him. Amen? I'm not going to look at him while I'm saying that. <laughs> huh? But this is the reality This is the reality of how things go. But see, the question is, the faults that you see in people, does it violate the word of God? Does it profane the word of God? Because if it does, listen, church, we need to draw a line in the sand. Or do the faults profane your traditions and your opinions? One, you can live with. One, you might even need to change yourself on the other, that's where we need to draw the line on. But we need to begin to, to decipher which and what it is. So in verse 3 here, it says, For the Pharisees say, and all the Jews, except they eat with, uh, unless, hmm, except they wash their hands often, they eat not, holding to the traditions of the elders. And when they come in the market, except they, they wash, they eat not, and many, of, many other things which be that they received to hold as washing a cup's posses, brazen vessels and tables. See, the Pharisees, they did a good job on teaching teaching everyone, listen, you need to wash your hands, but not just wash your hands. If you don't wash your hands all the way up to your elbows, you're defiled. You're, you're disrespecting us because this is what we told you to do. And if you're disrespecting us, now you're disrespecting God. Right? Anyone wonder why there was such an importance with Jesus when it comes to teaching? Yeah, what does the Bible say? He went about teaching, preaching. Then healing all that are oppressed of the devil. Why? Because God was with them, right? He, he went, this is everything Jesus said. He went about teaching. He went around preaching. Why? Because teaching is important, church. But what are we teaching? What are we teaching? Are we teaching traditions or are we teaching the word of God? See, what were the Pharisees teaching? Were, were, they, were they teaching the word of God? Well, yes and no. Yes and no. You know, they're teaching the Word of God, but they, they taught an adulterated version of the Word of God, right? An adulterated, a perverted version of the Word of God that exalted their traditions and their opinions over, to be equal with or over the Word of God. See, this is, this is what happened in the Reformation in the 1500s. See the worst thing they ever do was that bishop when he gave Martin Luther a Bible and said, "Listen, read this, and maybe maybe you'll find out some things that help you." Because he started reading and he's like, "Man, everything that we're doing is antichrist. It's it's against the word of God. It's not what the word of God says. We need to make some changes in what we're doing." But see, back in those days, they they went by they went by the the, the popal canon law. I mean, and they exalted the papal Canon Law, what the ministers were saying, equal to or over, to or superior, over to the Word of God. To our, our traditions, what we tell you, it supersedes this. And I'm telling you, church, it posed a problem. It posed such a problem that when the Messiah came, they couldn't even recognize him. When the Messiah came, they pointed their finger in his face and they rebuked him. Yeah. They rebuked the Messiah, church. Why? because their traditions are more important than the word of God. Their opinions. Most of y'all know I'm a pretty opinionated person. Hmm? But can it supersede the word of God? If it does, it's out of order. It's out of order, church. And in verse 5, it says, the Pharisees and the scribes asked them, and said, why not the disciples according to the traditions of the elders? But they eat eat with, with unwashed hands. And he answered them and said, well, hath Isaiah prophesied of you hypocrites? And it is written, you people honor me with their lips, but their hearts, they're far from me. He said, well, hath Isaiah prophesied. He prophesied with pinpoint accuracy of you hypocrites. Of you hypocrites, talking to the religious leaders, you hypocrites. You walk around like you're men of God. You talk like you're men of God. You try to teach like the word of God, but you're not really trying to exalt him. You're trying to honor and exalt yourselves.
0: You
1: know, with modern day vernacular, with modern day language, we could say, "Man, you sure. You sure walk around like a Christian?" Man, you go to church like a Christian. You talk like a Christian. Man, you know where to say amen and hallelujah in the sermon. Yeah, you know how to do all of these things. But in reality, you're nothing but a hypocrite. Woo, that's strong language. That's strong language. I don't know who one of the the brothers up here preaching uh, the last couple days, they said, man, I don't even know if Paul would have been able to come into church. I don't know if Jesus would be allowed in most churches nowadays. Hmm? The church is soft. It said, you're nothing but a hypocrite. What does that word hypocrite mean? It's the Greek word, it's the Greek word hypokrites, hypokrites. And properly means a judging under, like, like an actor and a playwright where they wear one mask representing one person and then they take off that mask and put on another one to represent another person. It's a hypocrite. A person wearing two masks, they have two different faces, right? Figuratively, you could say it's a, it's a two-faced person. <laughs> you know, I, I do not like social media that much, because it is an absolute distraction. But anytime it amazes me, we've had people come up to Kimberly and me, and, and they're like, hey, hey, how are you doing? Talk to us like, they, they, like they've known us forever, you know, like... Who are you? Oh, we're friends on Facebook. And I'm like, man, I've looked up, and I've never seen you on there. You know? Oh, my name is such and such. You look it up, I'm like, that does not look like them. (laughs) That doesn't even look close to them. Why? They have two faces. One for their social media platform, and one they have in real life. Hmm. Two-faced, right? says so it's, a, it's a profession that doesn't match your practice. A profession, what you speak doesn't actually match what you do. I think Pastor John was just talking about that. You'll see how many of you know... You know, you talk about people, you know, you you have all the Avengers, you have all these superheroes around, you know. How many of y'all know if you went to meet, you know, Iron Man or Spider Man or or one of these guys in real life, and if all hell started to break loose around you, how many of you know they're not going to bow up and and get people out of the way and start protecting you? You know what they're probably going to do? They're probably going to throw you in the way, Pastor Graham. Probably say, look, you get in the way, you protect me. Why? Because they're not a superhero. They're an imposter, they wear two different masks a counterfeit, right? How I many of y'all know there is one superhero? Amen. He doesn't, wear any, he doesn't wear two masks. His name is Jesus, and, and what, you, what you see is what you get. What you read is what you get. But see, if we'll, if we'll learn to get a singularity in our own heart, a singularity on the inside of us, I mean, you'll find out that superhero, he's actually in you too. Amen. He's actually in you too, and he's trying to unveil himself if we'll just allow him to do these things, church. So he says here in verse 7, he says, How be it in vain they do worship me, teaching doctrines, the commandments of men. For laying aside the commandments of God, you hold on to the traditions of men, as washing of pots and cups and, and many other such like things you do. And he said to them, Fool well you reject the commandments of God. Full well you reject the commandments of God, that you may keep your own traditions. For Moses said, honor your father and thy mother. Whosoever curses thy thy father and thy mother, let him die the death. He says, but you say, if a man shall say unto his father or his mother, it is corban. That is to say, it's a gift. whatsoever you might be profited by me, it shall be free. He says, you shall suffer them no more to do what they are for his father and his mother, making the word of God, listen to this, of none effect. Through your traditions, which you have delivered, and many such things that you do. What is Jesus talking about here? He's saying, well, well the Pharisees, can see how many, I know a lot of the lot of religious leaders, what they want to do, they want to line their pockets with what you have. So they came up to him and they're like, listen, listen, you know, you you don't have to actually take care. You don't have to, I know the word says to honor your mother and father, but you don't actually have to do that. It doesn't really matter if they, if they can't, they can't pay their bill. It doesn't matter if they're getting kicked out. It doesn't matter if they don't have enough to eat. You know, you don't need to honor them. All you got to do is say, listen, listen, this is dedicated to God. And then they're done. Let them deal with themselves. And he says, from your traditions, you're nullifying the word of God. I mean, I know it's proper. It's proper to help your parents. I'm going to tell you, church, I will rebuke you if your parents are struggling and you're out living the high life. Oh, but I'm going to give that in the offering. No, <laughs> no, 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 no. Hmm? Honor our mother and our father. Jesus said, don't, don't, don't allow your traditions to usurp the word of God. Hmm? Don't allow them to usurp the word of God. My question is, Have we in the church today, have we bypassed the word of God with our own traditions? Hmm? With our own traditions. You say, what do I mean by that? Listen, have have we stopped giving to the church? Have we stopped giving to the poor? Have we stopped giving to missions? Because we want to stand our own personal prosperity. Hmm? Listen, we teach prosperity in this house proper prosperity right. amen we, we, te- we teach those things in this house but listen have we in the, in the charismatic church have we have we have we received that some of these teachings on prosperity and say listen you know, you know what? I'm more concerned with myself how much I have what car I have what house I have how much money I have in my pocket so I'm not I'm not, not going to give to these things anymore because because the Bible says I'm, I'm called to prosper yes it does yes it does have we allowed our traditions to usurp? I'm telling you, I don't know, I don't know what the percentage is. I'm telling you, it's probably more than 90% don't even get to missions anymore. I mean, this is the call for the church family. It's the world, and we don't even get missions anymore, but yeah, I got me a new car, glory to God. Hmm? You know, if we stop teaching on healing, if we stop laying hands on the sick, Huh? Cause we live in a modern sophisticated society. Oh Pastor, you don't get it, man. We we don't need to believe on these things anymore, man. We, all we gotta do is go to the doctor, man. We got vaccines, we got tablets, we got everything. These are all blessed of God for us. I don't need to I don't need to believe that anymore. I tell you, Church. We, you know, we're not against doctors in here. I'm not against what, whatever the Lord's leading you to do. But, but how dare we allow that tradition of the Western modern society usurp what God? God, he, Jesus is still our healer. Our Father, He's still Jehovah Rapha. That doesn't change just because you live in the West. Hmm? Doesn't change because you live there. But see, do we, are we going to allow the Lord to, to bring a demonstration of our proclamation? Are we going to just sit back and say, nah, these things aren't good anymore. You can't build a church. People think you're weird when you believe on healing. Hmm? Have we allowed the gifts of the Spirit to get stifled in the church? Because, hmm? man, Ryan, you can't build a church on that stuff. I've had it told me, you can't build a church on that stuff. Man, that was like in the 90s and the 80s and stuff. People could do that. You can't do that nowadays. Stay away from it, stay away from it, stay away from it. Have we allowed our traditions to usurp what the Word of God has to say? Hmm? Man, people are going to think you're weird. Tongues and interpretations of tongues. Whoa. Give someone a prophetic word. Whoa, they're going to think you're weird. You know what? They may talk about you on social media. Well, I say Good. Good. Why? Because I want the world to see we're different. I want people, when they see Island Church, and they see Ryan, when they see every person, that's, when they see you going down the streets, I want them to see you're different. Why? Because we're not like the world. We're not like religion. We're not like the soft church. No, we are the church, the church of Jesus Christ. See, see I, I like the verse there in Peter. Was that in 1 Peter 2.9? Where he says, he says, well, we are a chosen generation. I mean, you, know, you are that chosen generation. What does that word mean? You are a chosen race. It's not, it's not Latino. It's not black. It's not white. It's not Asian. No, you're a chosen race. What? You have the spiritual DNA of the king on the inside of you. He says, you're that chosen race. That's you. You're the royal priesthood. You don't have to walk around with a little little white thing on your neck. That doesn't say you're a priest. No, people ought to see you're a priest by what's flowing from the inside of you out. You're a royal priesthood. You're the holy nation. The church is this holy nation. You are a peculiar people. That's why I'm one of my favorite words in the Greek peripoasis, peculiar. What does that word mean? It means exclusively owned, exclusively possessed by another. What is the Lord saying? You're exclusively owned. You're exclusively possessed by someone else. His name's Jesus. And that makes you look peculiar. It makes you look strange to other people. Not because you're going down the street acting like an idiot. We have, we have enough idiots out there. We don't need to act like them. The way we look different is because we're owned and we're possessed by someone else. I'm telling you, church, we ought to look strange to them. We ought to look strange to them. They ought to want what you have in your eyes. Huh? They ought to want what we have. We ought to look different. I'm telling you, I've come to, this, come to this place where I was reading this book by David Platt called Radical. And he made this statement. He, he came back from, you know, a missions trip in, in China and, and preached them amazing, you know, just all-day meetings. And he was, this man was the youngest pastor of a megachurch in the United States in the 2000s. I think he was in his late 20s in Alabama. And he was sitting there, you know, ministering. He said, I got back from China and I'm sitting there ministering out to the people. I'm looking out, there's thousands and thousands and thousands of people. Thousands of people. And he said, and it just dawned on me as the Holy Spirit started speaking to me. He's like, he's like, why, how is this, how are we consumed with wanting to be mega church leaders? Why are we so consumed with what the culture of this world is saying, what success looks like? He says, We want to be mega church leaders, but the one we're following. He was a mini church leader. You say, oh no, come on, man. You know, there's thousands of people that follow Jesus. And when the thousands came, you know what Jesus started doing? You need to eat my flesh and drink my blood. Why? Because he wanted people to come after him for him, not because he could offer them. You're coming at, He doesn't want you to come at him because he's the miracle maker. He wants you to fall in love with him because of who he is. And He'd drive them out in the groves. Thousands would leave, be left with Twelve hmm Jesus that's who we ought to be following not the 17 different franchise models of church growth that come out of the US hmm we're following Jesus I'm telling you there's no compromise in that man No compromise in him. Verse 14, it says, And when he was called, or when he had called all the people, unto me said, Hearken unto me, every one of you, and understand, there is nothing from without a man that enters into him that can defile him. But the things which come out of him, those are the things that defile him. It's not the things that you put in that are defiling you. It's the things that come out that defile you. Now, listen, as I'm saying this, I can, I can hear you. Know, Pastor, does that mean that we can do whatever we want? Listen, church, there's a lot of messages out there saying, yeah, yeah, that's exactly what that's saying. But I'm going to tell you something, church, if you're trying to justify that message, that thought life in your heart, I'm going to tell you there's a hypocrite in you. There's a hypocrite in you justifying your lifestyle. Listen, churches. some interior duplicity on the inside of you. Two different, two different ways of thinking. Huh? Not our traditions. It has, has to be our word of God. It has to be the word of God. In verse 16, it's a, you know, that he says, well, it's one of the favorite things that Jesus always says, hey, you know, if you, any man have ears to hear, let him hear. If any man have ears to hear, let him hear. And the disciples are like, man, I want to hear. I want to know what you're talking about. What, what, what are you saying? And he looked at him in verse 18 and said, are you, are you also out without understanding? Don't you perceive that whatsoever things, you know, uh, whatsoever things come without enters into a man? It cannot defile him because it doesn't enter into his heart, but it enters into the belly and goes out into the draft, purging all meats. I don't know about you, but that that, that verse, that's actually a good news verse. You say, why is that? You know, we were staying in a hotel over there down the street, and I'll tell you, ever since I came over here, I fell in love with an Irish breakfast. I wish I could have one every morning. Yeah. But my wife, she won't do that. But praise the Lord anyhow. But listen on that... (laughs) But on, that, but on that breakfast, I mean, listen, yeah, you know, I like, you know, with my eggs, I want rashers, I want pudding, I want sausage, I want everything that you can add onto that plate, amen, I want to get gorge on it, why, because it's so good, and I'm telling you that's good news, why, because I can eat a piece of work now and not think that I'm going to be separated from God. Now people say, well, well, you can go in the Old Testament and you're not supposed to eat pork, you're not supposed to eat shellfish or things you're not supposed to eat. Well, listen, Jesus just unveiled unto us that it's not what you're putting into your mouth and going into your stomach that defiles you. Why? Because it enters into the toilet, into the sewer system, and then you get the guy that goes out there and cleans the pipes with no gloves on. <laughs> right? It's not what defiles you. It's not what defiles you. It's what comes out. It's what what comes out that defiles you. Now, I'll tell you, eating some of that stuff may kill you. Amen. Why did the Lord say that in the Old Testament? Because it can kill you. It's not healthy for you. And that's probably why I don't get to eat one every every morning because my wife loves me. Huh? But praise the Lord, church. This, This is the reality of it. Verse 20, he said to them, that which comes out of the man, that defiles the man. For from within, out of the heart of men proceeds evil thoughts, adulteries, fornications, murder, theft, covetousness, wickedness, deceit, lasciviousness, sexual lawlessness, an evil eye, Blasphemy, pride, foolishness. All of these things, all of these evil things come from within. And that's what defiles a man. And that's what defiles you. What you eat is not what defiles you, but it's what you permit to get into your heart and then get released out of your mouth. That's what defiles you. That's what defiles you. What enters into your heart, church, that's what defiles you. Let me say that one more time. What you permit to enter into your hearts, that is what defiles you. In Matthew 12, verse 34, what, what is that? Jesus, Jesus says, What is out of the abundance of your heart, your mouth speaks. Out of the, what, what the things you pile on the inside of your heart, that's what comes out. Of your mouth. That's why he looked at the at the at the Pharisees. He goes, "Man, you brood of vipers! How can you be evil? Speak any good thing? They can't speak anything good. Why? Because everything's evil on the inside of them. It's out of the abundance of their mouth that their heart began to speak, huh? You know, a spiritual mentor I had early on in, in ministry." He was an ex-outlaw biker, and he got saved, and this was in the 80s, and he was over on the east side of Houston, which could be a pretty rough part of town. He got to know some of these people in a church, and, they, and they, they thought it was all cool, you know, the things that he was doing. He was trying to minister into bikers, and they said, you know what? Maybe we'll have, maybe we'll have a biker service here at our church on, on, a, on a Saturday morning. And he was like, praise the Lord. You know, better make it Saturday afternoon because you don't know bikers. Right? So, so Saturday afternoon, they started bringing in the bikers and they're all pulling up and, and listen, the bikers over in Texas, they look a little different than the bikers over here. They're not head to toe and you can't see any skin. Now, you'll, you'll see bikers pull up and you can see skin on the men and you can definitely see skin on the lady. You know, tall boots, short shorts, and little bitty tops on. And they're all coming up, smelling like booze, flicking cigarettes in the parking lot, you know, going in and out of the church. And, and Ben sitting outside, just, just sitting there watching and talking and chit-chatting with people as they're coming in. And one of the deacons comes up and he says, he goes, Ben, man, you're going to have to do something with these ladies coming in and out of this church. You're going to get, you're gonna have to do something. Man. He goes, why? He goes, man, it can cause lust. He goes, man, these, these, this is their old ladies, man. They're not going to have a problem with that. He goes, no, 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 I'm not, I'm not talking about them. I'm talking about me. <laughs> they're, 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 they're causing me to lust. <laughs> and he was sitting there drinking a Coke. He took a drink of that Coke, and he poured a little bit out, and he said, brother, what, what just came out of that Coke? He said, Coke. He took another drink and he poured a little bit out. I said, what came out that time? He said, well, Coke. And he tipped it up and drank the rest of it and poured that can over and nothing came out of it. He said, what came out of it this time? He said, well, nothing. He said, let this be a word to you. If it's not in you, it can't come out of you. Let me tell you, church, let this be a word to you today. If it's not in you... Come on, church, it can't come out of you. If it's coming out of you, it's because it's on the inside of you. Hmm? I can't get healed. I can't prosper. My kids are going to be failures. If If it ain't in you, church, it's not going to come out of you. We need to shift. We begin to protect the things that are coming out of our mouths. I'm telling you, it's vitally important for us to understand these things, church. We have to protect. Why? Because what we believe, church, is what we confess. What we confess, it will manifest in your lives. It will manifest in your life. Hmm? We need to begin to put a garrison of what comes in us. How do we put a garrison? It's right here, church. Some of us need to get very familiar with this. You get very, very familiar with this, you get very familiar with Holy Spirit. And it'll be a garrison and I'm telling you, would be sitting there watching somebody you'll say, turn that crap off. Yeah. Turn that rubbish off. Step away from that conversation. Keep your mouth shut. Yeah. Hmm? Mm-hmm. But we got to learn to protect these things. We got to learn to protect what's coming in. You know, Smith Wigglesworth is very protective of what he allowed in, wasn't he? He wouldn't even allow the news. He wouldn't allow newspapers. He wouldn't allow any of that in his house. I'm telling you, that man walked in a, some serious anointing, raised something like, what, 23, 24 people from the dead. But see, most of us in the church nowadays, we say, man, that was, that, he was legalistic. He was legalistic, man. He, didn't, he, he wouldn't allow this. He, he allowed that. He wouldn't do nothing. Now, now I'm going to tell you something, church. If that's what legalism looks like, I want a double portion of it. Hmm? To be able to walk in that anointing, I'm telling you, we, 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 need to, we need to learn to do what some of our, all the generals were doing and learn how to protect ourselves. Why? Because what's coming in us, church, is what's going to come out. Are you hearing me today? Listen, let's turn to, let's turn to, i got a few more minutes. Let's turn here to, to Luke 11. Let me go the right way here. Luke 11. Let's see how Jesus taught on this subject. He gives a, a brilliant example of interior duplicity. Because if we don't guard these things, I'm going to promise you, church, you're going to get a dual way of thinking on the inside of you. Hmm? You're going to get a dual dupl- an interior duplicity, a divided heart on the inside of you. So here, here in verse, uh, did I say Luke 11? Verse 33, it says, No man, when you have lighted a candle, he puts it under a, uh, puts it in a secret place, neither under a bushel, but on a candlestick that they which come in may see the light. They may come in and see the light. You know, this light, church light, is never designed to be hidden. It's never designed to be hidden. It it's designed to be released, initiated, produced. Why? Because it drives out darkness. There's no such thing as darkness. It's obscurity. And it drives out, it brings clarity to the obscurity. You know, this, this word light here, there's, there's several different Greek words for light in the New Testament. And, and this, this, this word right here is the Greek word phos. Phos, and it, and it means the, the manifestation of the self-existent life of God. Right, figuratively, it could mean, you know, uh, God's divine illumination that's on the inside of each and every one of us as believers. It's the light of God, the phos. This is why you're the, you're the city that's set upon a hill. Why? Because we got lights, and it's, it's there to attract everyone to you. Right, So you can unveil the kingdom. Right? This is the light. It's not designed to be hidden. It's designed to be displayed. It's designed to be displayed. In verse 34, it says, The light of the body is the eye. Therefore, when the eye is single, the whole body is full of light. But when the eye is evil, the body is also full of darkness is also full of darkness. It says, the lamp or the light of the body, it is the eye. So where does this divine illumination reside in each and every one of us? In our eye? You know, I've seen a couple people in my lifetime that I could look in their eyes and I saw Jesus. I saw fire in their eyes. And both of them melted me. But is this what Jesus is talking about? No. That's not what he's talking about. He's not talking about the eye or physical eye. See, in the Greek, there's two different words for eye. In the New Testament, you have oma and you have ophthalmos. I, oma, it is 100% of the time talking about your physical eye. When you see the Greek word ophthalmos, it can mean physical eye, but most of the time it's figuratively talking about your mind's eye, your heart's eye, your spirit man. The eyes of your heart. This is the word that he's using here. It's off the moss. He says, the light of the body is the off the moss. It's your, it's your mind's eye. It's the eyes of your heart. His light resides on the inside of each and every one of us. It's on the inside. Right? It's that divine illumination. This is why it says the light of the body there uh, of the eye, mm, the light of the body is the eye, therefore, when the eye is single. Therefore, is a real important word. So, if, it's, if it's the light is, is, in, is on the inside of us, therefore, if we have a single eye, you'll be full of what? God's self existent manifestation of light. You'll be full of the presence of God, the glory of God. If your eye is single, if your eye, not this eye, if, if your eye, your mind's eye, your spirit, man, your heart, if it's single, No interior duplicity if it's single, you know, looking looking after the same thing. When your eye is single, singular, amen, it'll be it'll be full of the light. But what happens if your eye is not single? Hmm. Can I can can I have what happens if your eye is not? Jesus tells us. He says if your eye is evil, it says, then your body is going to be full of darkness. It'll be full of darkness, be full of obscurity. The light of God gets obscured where you can't see it, for you can't recognize it anymore. You say, can we have evil on the inside of us and be a Christian? See, most of us, when we think of evil, we think of, well, I'm not a murderer. I'm not an adulterer. I'm not killing children. I'm standing up for, for children's rights. I'm, I'm doing these things, man. I don't have evil on the inside of me. But do we actually know what the definition of evil is? It's simple it's anything contrary to the word of God. That's evil. That's what evil looks like. So, if we can understand it from that perspective, you'll know having a dark thought, that's evil. That's evil. That's permitting evil to come, and that's why that word says, take it captive, because it's evil. Doing things for God with personal motives, personal self-exaltation. Evil. It's evil. Allowing doubt and unbelief in our hearts, doubting every word that this Bible says. It's evil. It's evil. This is what in Hebrews 3:12 it says: Take heed, my brethren. Take heed, my brethren, lest, lest there be in any of you an evil heart of unbelief, an evil heart of unbelief, where you begin to depart from the living God. Hmm? Why is there such an apostasy? We got an interior duplicity. We're allowing a whole bunch of junk come in where we have doubt and unbelief. Where we get stirred. We have doubt and unbelief in the Word of God, and we're the church. How are we going to lead other people to the Lord? We don't trust Him. We don't trust the things that He's saying. Church, when you mix in darkness, when you mix in evil, it begins to give a separation, this, as, as I like to call it, a duplicity. You become a hypocrite. You begin to have two different faces on your heart. Amen? Believe in one way and, and seeing things another. I know, I know I'm supposed to do things this way, but I'm going to do it actually this way. Why? Because of, the word, because, because of what, because of what we we're permitting to come in on the inside of us. See, this is the place where... where much of the church is nowadays, where you can't tell the difference between light and darkness. This is where you get into the place where you can't can't sense when Jesus walks into the room. Why? Because darkness obscures, it obscures that light that's on the inside that we have a hard time sensing and seeing him. It taints it. It taints it. Here in verse 35 says, Take heed, therefore. Take heed, therefore, of this light which is in you, that there be not darkness. Take heed, therefore, that the light which is in thee be not darkness. What's he saying? Take heed. Take heed for that which is counterfeit doesn't get planted and obscure your heart. Take heed that, oh, God's okay with my sin. Take heed. Take heed. At least it obscures the light on the inside of you. Ah, there is no judgment. Take heed. Take heed. At least that light gets obscured on the inside of you.
0: Oh, everything's
1: a reward. Everything's about me. Everything's about me. There is no hell. Take heed. At least that light gets obscured on the inside of you. At least that light gets obscured on the inside of you. Barry, come up here for a second. Come on up here. Yeah, go ahead, go ahead. I want to give you guys an example here. And for time's sake here, I don't, I'm not, I'm not going to teach on these verses much. But in Mark, in Mark chapter 8, pull that down just a little bit. In Mark chapter 8, you find that there is, as Jesus was walking through Bethesda, They brought unto him, the people came to him, they brought unto him a man that was blind. And that man that was blind, they said, you know, can can you heal this guy? the first thing Jesus did was he pulled pulled that man and he walked him outside the city. Why? Because he had to get him away from the darkness that was going to obscure his healing, right? So he took him outside the city. And then he walked up to him. And he spit right in his face. of Jesus' saliva. Hallelujah. And then he placed his hands on his eyes. And he took them off and he said, can you see anything? He said, yeah, man, I see men walking around like trees. And then Jesus grabbed a hold of him again. He put his hands upon his eyes one more time. And he prayed. Then he took his hands off. He said, now can you see? It says that he saw clearly. Now listen, church. I haven't been around as long as Pastor Rusty or some of these guys, but I've been around to see a whole lot of things. I've seen a lot of people, they use this verse and they want to pray for someone. I'm going to pray for your eyes. Can you you see now? No? Okay. Jesus did it twice. I'm going to do it twice. Can you see now? No, Jesus did it twice. I'm going to do it three times. I'm going to do it four times. I'm going to do it five times. How many of you know you're out of faith? You're out of faith. You say, well, what was actually being talked here? How many of y'all know when Jesus lays hands on somebody, he doesn't fail? He didn't fail. Why? Because he only did the things he saw his father do. He only spoke the things that he heard the father speak. So if you'll grab a hold of the things I just taught you a second ago, you can go look up this stuff on your own time. But when Jesus, he walked up to him, he spit in his face and he laid his hands on his oma, on his physical eyes. And he took his hands off and said, do you see anything? He said, yeah. His eyes were instantly healed. Instantly healed. He said, but I I see things like trees walking around here. So Jesus, what did he do? He said, I'm going to finish correcting the issue you have. He laid his hands on his off the moss. On the eyes of his heart. Because there was something that was blocking him from receiving the fullness. And when he laid his hands on the eyes of his heart, what happened? He pulled it off and everything was clear. Everything was clear. See, I'm telling you, church, there's people in here, I'm telling you, I know by the Spirit of God, you're believing for, you've been believing for things for some years, some months, some weeks, it doesn't matter. You've been believing for things. You've had hands laid upon you. You may have seen a little progress. It's like, why aren't these things, why aren't these things happening? Why, Why didn't it come to fruition? I'm telling you, sometimes we need the eyes of our heart to get healed. Because we've allowed something to to come into us and taint toward the fullness of what God's already purchased for us. Healing's so easy, church, is so easy. If we'll get lined up with him and his word. So I want to give you an opportunity. I know it's late. I know you're probably hungry. But I'm telling you, the Holy Ghost spoke to me said some of you need your hearts fixed. You need your hearts healed. Not because you're participating in stupid stuff. No, because you're just maybe in a seed planted on the inside of you. That he wants to pronounce a death sentence to it. So that you can receive everything that he has for you. The things you've been believing for and believing for and believing for. He says it's finished we got to come into agreement. we got to give him the amen. we got to come into agreement with it. So I'm going to ask you, I'm not, we're not trying to embarrass people around here. I'm going to ask you, if, it, if that's you, I'll say you, you need to get up on your feet and you need to come up and receive what the Lord has for you. You're pondering. You're pondering will keep you in the same posture that you're in right now. You say, what is that? You'll receive absolutely nothing. Absolutely nothing. I'm telling the church, this is, this is the things that God's been working on me. As we say, everything, everything in the kingdom is an inward, outward flow. Thank you, son. Everything in the kingdom is an inward-outward flow. He spoke these things to me so so we can unleash them and unveil them unto you. Jason, we get them. Come on.
0: Praise God Let's just close Heavenly Father We thank you for this wonderful time Lord we thank you Lord that each and every time Lord we come sit in your presence we come sit underneath your word Lord we leave change Lord different than the way we come in thank you Father thank you for the purity that is in you Lord making us pure from the inside out Lord thank you for hearts Lord that are set upon you hearts that are full of you Lord Lord, that we just want you on the inside. We just want your ways. We just want all of you on the inside, Lord, so you're all that comes out. Oh, we honor you this morning, Lord. We thank you, Father, for our protection as we exit out of this place, Lord. Your hand is upon us. Your angels, Lord, take charge of us. And I thank you, Father, as we return tonight, Lord, expecting, ready, ready, You'll meet with us here, Lord. All oh, we magnify you, Lord. It's in Jesus' name we pray. Amen. Amen. We are so glad you could join us for our latest message. We are located right in the center of the town, and we would love for you to call in and see us. Details are on our website at islandchurchdundalk.ie.